Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 8. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged plains, places are plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Julie's going to read uh, now for us uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers... Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, how do you feel about growing up? Uh, Little kids always long to grow up don't they? They long to grow up and be able to go to school. They long to grow up and be able to sit in the front seat of the car. They long to grow up and be able to see those M-rated movies. Sometimes parents long for their children to grow up as well. They're looking forward to getting their sleep back, their time back. But I think most parents, in their better moments at least, we see the delight of childhood where everything's funny and there's nothing to regret. And we experience the delight of being a parent and we wish that our children would never grow up. Adults, of course, have different feelings about growing up. We don't want to grow up anymore, do we? 
Physically, we've finished growing up, of course. We don't so much grow up anymore as grow outwards. And eventually, you grow down. Christians are to always long to grow up. This term, like I said, our focus is on growing disciples by deepening spiritual maturity. And I want us to see tonight that the very nature of being a Christian is that you are always growing up. Not just that, but that you are always striving to grow up. Because there is always more growing to do. I want us to see what it means to be growing up, what what it is you're growing into, what spiritual maturity really is, and how it is that you do grow up, what nourishes you. First of all, we must keep on growing towards spiritual maturity. You see in our passage really clearly that when you become a Christian, when you begin to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you start life again. Chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. These Christians had the word of God, the gospel of Jesus, preached to them, and it caused them to be born again. Every new Christian is a baby. And what do babies do? They grow. And so that's why he says to them in chapter 2, verse 2, you are to grow up in your salvation. And that's exactly what they've been doing. Do you see the progression there in chapter 1, verse 22, in their personal experience? They were born again, and they've since then purified themselves by obeying the truth, the word, so that now they have a sincere love for their brothers and sisters in Christ. They've grown, and they're to keep on growing because now, he says, love one another deeply from the heart. Their very experience says that Christians grow. And notice, won't you, who does the growing? Who puts in the effort? Clearly, verse 23, it's God who does the, does the birthing, isn't it? You can't give birth to yourself. God did that through his word. But every other part of their growing, in this passage it says, has been done by them. Do you see that? You have purified yourselves. The commands, you are to love one another. You are to rid yourselves of these things, chapter 2, verse 1. You are to crave pure spiritual milk, chapter 2, verse 2. They are to work hard at these things and to make themselves grow. Children grow without trying. In fact, my experience experience as a parent is you can't stop them growing. I keep telling my younger children to never grow up. I thought of playing the song under their pillow at night so it might stop them somehow, but none of it works. They just grow, but Christians are not like that. Christians have got to strive to grow up, and if they do not, they do not grow up. 
Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, I should be addressing you as adults, but you are still babes in Christ. Christians are to grow up and they must strive to grow up. And not just at first, when they first become a Christian and then you reach adulthood and you plateau. No, Christians are always to keep on growing up. These readers have most likely been Christians for about 30 years. They now have a sincere love for their brothers and sisters in Christ. Surely they can take it easy now. No, he says, now love one another deeply. Now grow up in your salvation. Christians, do you see, must grow up. They must strive to grow up. They must keep on striving to grow up. So I ask you, have you been growing up as a Christian? Or are you still one of those baby Christians who are really back where you began? Can you look back over the last year or so and see how you've grown, how you have changed? Are you still growing, striving to grow? And not just you, but some of us are parents or grandparents or leaders. God has entrusted people to our care. Are we striving to grow them or are we simply managing them? Christians must keep on growing towards spiritual maturity. But what is this thing called spiritual maturity? What does it mean to deepen spiritual maturity? In the National Church Life Survey that we talk about from time to time, there was a question about spiritual maturity. It said this, Over the last year, do you believe you have grown in your Christian faith? You could answer, no real growth. Some growth or much growth? And encouragingly, almost half of the people in our church who did the survey said much growth. We'd love to see that be more of us, but it was encouraging nonetheless. I think some of us, though, find it hard to know what it means. What is much growth in your Christian faith? Do you feel it? Do you look different? Is it an experience? Well, clearly, it's a global thing, isn't it? It's the whole of you. It's you becoming more like Jesus, Romans 8, becoming perfect in Christ, Colossians 1. It includes understanding the Christian faith more, obeying Jesus more, trusting Jesus more. But here in this passage, Peter has a really helpful focus. He sees that your spiritual maturity will be obvious to other people because it's not just in you. It shows itself and it shows itself in your love for other Christians. You see the focus there in chapter 1, verse 22? Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers and sisters... Love one another deeply from the heart. Spiritual maturity includes a real love for other Christians. Jesus said we're to love all people, love your neighbour. But we're especially to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why is that? 
Well, Peter tells us in verse 23, do you see there, it's an explanation, it's a reason, because it starts with the word for. Love one another deeply, he says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. It's not immediately, obviously, what the connection is, don't you think? Love one another for you've been born again of God's living and enduring word. How is this a reason for that? Well, it's the living word of God, the creating word of God, this gospel, which has given you new birth. Your old life of selfishness and anger and hatred is to be gone, and now you live a new life of love. You have changed. You've been born again. So love one another. But it's also the enduring word of God. He explains that in verse 24. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This week our family bought a new car. It's shiny. And there are no scratches. There are no dirty marks from the children on the windows or on the floors. The sliding door even opens with the push of a button. And you can connect your phone. It's very exciting. It's a new car. And you know what it will be soon? An old car. And shortly after it's an old car, it will be a non-car. Have you ever experienced that? You buy a new car, you own it for the entire time until it goes to the wreckers when it is gone. If you don't experience that, someone else gets the pleasure. For all cars are like grass. And so I was reminded this week not to love my car. Mind you, The verse doesn't say cars, does it? It says all men are like grass. All people are like grass. In the same way that it is a new car and then a non-car, people don't last either. So why should you love people? Here is the answer, I think, as to why you should love other Christians. For they, like you, have been born of the living and enduring word of God. They, like you, will endure and not be like grass, do you see? For they have become part of this eternal family. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ who will be part of your family forever. That family that you have grown up in, that you are a part of, will come to an end. But God's family will not. So love one another. There's a saying, isn't there? Blood runs thicker than water. In the end, when push comes to shove, people will be loyal to their family ties over their other mates. Peter is saying here that there is something thicker than blood. It is the word of God which is living and enduring, gives birth to Christians, and so causes us to love one another. 
That annoying person you think of at church, as soon as I say that annoying person at church, who is so unlike you, he or she is part of your family and will be so forever. So love them. These readers already have a sincere love for their brothers and sisters in Christ. It is sincere, this love. It is not fake or pretend. It is not out of sight, out of mind. It's not polite to their face and rude behind their back. It's sincere. But Peter says, keep on growing. Love one another deeply. You could say to you, the one you love, I love you truly, madly, deeply, couldn't you? It sounds romantic. There was a movie, I think. The word is not deeply. It is earnestly. Do you like that? I love you truly, madly, earnestly. I wouldn't try it on your Valentine's Day card. I don't think it'll work. Earnestly means with great intensity and great constancy. It does not fail. It is deliberate. It goes out of its way. It is sacrificial. It deliberately gets rid of malice and deceit and hypocrisy, chapter 2, verse 1, because it is an earnest love. Because your brothers and sisters in Christ have been born of the living and enduring Word of God. Do you remember Jesus' words? They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Do you see that spiritual maturity is not intangible? It's not vague and you can't really tell whether you've grown or not. It's real. It's quantifiable. It is not just on the inside. It shows And so you should be able to see, have you grown in the last 12 months? You should be able to see it, and those you know should be able to see it in you. Have you grown in your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you care more for them now? Do you serve them more now? Do you love to meet with them more now? That annoying, hurtful person you thought of a moment ago, are you seeking to love them and forgive them? The Christian in our church who you really do click with and every time you see them it's a delight, are you deliberately, earnestly seeking to serve them more than you used to? Would you be prepared to rebuke them now? And you wouldn't have before. And not just as individuals growing in our maturity, what are we like as a church? A mature church, what would that be like? Where there was love for one another. Some people, when they look for a church, look for a church with a good ritual or a nice building. Some people are much more up to date than that. When they look for a church, they look for good music and a great experience when they get together. But there must be love for one another. That's the key, do you see? And we need to see love for one another growing more and more amongst us, don't we? We must grow and keep on growing and strive to grow towards spiritual maturity. And a key part of that maturity is increasing love for one another. But how? How do you strive for increasing maturity? How do you strive for growth? 
What will enable you to grow? Chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Christian growth demands effort. They have been doing it. They're now commanded to do it. But Christian growth, our effort for Christian growth is never on our own. We need nourishment to grow and God gives us nourishment to grow. You see the image here, it's very clear, isn't it? Like newborn babies. Yes, you can't stop them growing, but they've got to be fed. They need milk to grow. And so if you want your baby to grow, you clearly give it milk. If a baby wants to grow, it takes the milk. What is this milk, this pure spiritual milk? Well, it seems clear to me through the emphasis right throughout this passage that it's the word of God. The word of God that is living and enduring, the word of God that gave them birth. The word of God that stands forever. It's the word that was preached to them. It gave them birth and it will enable them to grow. It's that word that gives them nourishment. Jesus said, quoting Deuteronomy, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bread, milk, it doesn't really matter. It's the same image, isn't it? The word nourishes us to grow. If we are going to grow as individuals and grow as a church, we need the word. If you are looking for a good church, you look for a church where there is love for one another and that love for one another is nourished by the word. There are the two key things to look for. We need the word to nourish us in our growth. But that's not what the verse says, actually, is it? Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Not just that we need pure spiritual milk, but we need to crave it. I really can't stand the word crave, personally. Uh, One of my young children is a craver. A Friday afternoon, he begged me for chocolate, leftover Easter eggs for afternoon tea. Friday night is dessert night in our house. I said, no, you can have some for dessert. Dessert time comes. I offer him chocolate, leftover from Easter. Do you think he wants the chocolate leftover from Easter now? No. Something has changed. Somehow it's ridiculous that I'm offering him chocolate and I must offer him something else. What is he doing? He craves something one moment and does not crave it the next. I don't understand such a person, do you? Is it like that with the pure spiritual milk? No. Is it like that with a newborn baby? One day they're really into milk. The next day, they want chocolate and they're not interested in milk. No. They know they need milk and they want milk. That's what Peter is saying. I think to say long for is a much better image here, isn't it? That's what we're to be like, not craving God's word 
on Sundays and not the rest of the week, not craving it for a couple of weeks and then letting it drop. No, we're to long for the pure spiritual milk because we know that we need it and so we want it. We're not to say, how often do I have to read God's word? We're to say, how can I find ways to be reading it? How can I make time to read it? We need to sit in routines, don't we, to make it happen so that we eat well. We need to dwell upon it, reflect upon it, pray and apply it. We need resources, like I mentioned before, to help us read it. But the key for us to be reading God's Word so that we grow is for us to want to read it. The real reason we do not read God's Word is because we do not want to read God's word. But do you want to grow as a Christian? Do you think you will grow without the nourishment that God provides? You need God's nourishment. And so we must want God's nourishment. We must grow as Christians towards spiritual maturity, whether you're young in the faith, young in age, or much older. We must keep on striving for this growth, and it will show in love for one another. And we must be nourished by God's word. John Edmondson was a member of our church for many years. He'd become a Christian late in life, but that was still about 30 years ago. I never met John Edmondson because he died in 2004. But 12 years later, people still tell me about him. They tell me about his love for Jesus. They tell me about his quiet service of other people. They tell me how he would speak about Jesus naturally with people in the street. And it seems to me that he was a man who kept on growing as a disciple. That he had a certain spiritual maturity, a sincere love for his brothers and sisters, but that he kept on growing. In his last few weeks, he grew weaker. It was clear that he was dying. How did he die? He died with his Bible open on his chest. You see, he knew that he needed to keep on growing as a Christian. And so he knew that he still needed spiritual milk. We need to be like that, don't we? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that our fervent desire would be to grow. Grow in our understanding, our love, our trust and obedience of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that this might be evidenced and clear in our love for one another. Our sincere, earnest love for one another. And Father, grant us that great longing to know you better, that longing for your word, that we might be nourished by the pure spiritual milk of your word. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.